Hey there, welcome back to MVP Business Podcast, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion to drive growth, profits, and loyalty. Today's guest is Danny Kent. Not only is he a longtime friend of mine, but he is the owner and founder of 5D Show Services. They provide everything that you need for your trade show and event um, needs. And I've been working with Danny, you may have heard my commercial, <laughs> uh, for what's like 15 or 20 years. And I really am truly amazingly impressed and have been with Danny's commitment to, and his team's commitment to quality and service. He literally met me in the parking lot of Central Market in the middle of the night with, uh, with my trade show graphic needs for a really big event the next day because uh, he, he knew that it was really important. So he went to the airport, picked it up, brought it to me, and everything was gravy. So I'm so excited to have Danny here. He also uh, helped me make this sign behind me and any other signs that you have or will see um, at uh, Vine Collective or MVP Business. So thanks for being with me, Danny. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's uh, uh, exciting and thanks for the introduction. That's, uh, that's uh, 15 years. That's been, that's been a fun time. It has been a fun time. We've done a, a lot of work together with a lot of different kinds of companies. Um, so some of that has been with 5D and some of it has, hasn't. Tell me a little bit about you, Danny, before you started 5D. And not, not necessarily your, your professional life, but um, rumor has it you're a musician. I am. I, I like to say I'm a uh, jack of many trades and a master of none. So yes, I play, um, I play drums and actually during quarantine, I'm trying to reteach myself piano right now. So that's what I'm kind of keeping, keeping myself busy with these days. But, um, but yeah, so I go back to, you know, um, I've, been in, I've been in the trade show industry for over 30 years. Uh, started back in Dallas. Um, my dad and his partner, Larry Crumlish, had a, had a company uh, called the Exhibit Store back in Dallas that kind of got me. I started there just in high school looking for a summer job. So it's kind of got my feet wet in, in the graphics department. And that's really kind of my, my background. I love the, the graphic and the design aspect of this industry. So that's kind of what, uh, how it all started. Nice. And so we worked together for several years when you were in a different company. Um, tell us about why you decided or how you decided to go off on your own. And then um, with that, kind of how your family reacted to your decision to start your own business. Yeah, I've, you know, I've, it's really, I've kind of had a, a love-hate relationship with the, with the trade show industry. And it, that might just be normal for, for 30 plus years. And, and I think what I, I've always wanted to, to, to own my own company. And, and I, did, I never really knew what, what aspect that was going to be. Again, I, I have so many interests and in things. And um, so I, I never really knew what that business was going to be. But I knew I wanted to, to have the flexibility of working for myself and all that. Well, um, you know, after 30 plus years in the exhibit industry, it just made sense that that's what I know and that's what I'm good at. And that's, you know, I've built a, a relationship with clients and, and that's really what I like. I like the collaboration with clients and the, the design and the building, the execution and all that. And, but I, but I, I think I felt for, you know, 
29, 30 years, it was just, it was kind of a grind. And, and I think hindsight, now that I'm out of it, looking back, it's like, I think it was because I wasn't doing it for myself. Mm -hmm. So, so there was, um, family super supportive. My wife is super supportive, but back in 2016, there were just, it was just a good opportunity. I knew it was a, a good time for me to make a change. And I started kind of an exit strategy of my old place and an entrance strategy into my new business, kind of planning what that was going to look like. And um, yeah, frankly, it was um, it, with, you know, because I had so much support with, with my wife, Debbie, and, and it made it so much easier for me to make that leap. And um, I did it and it's, uh, it's, been, it's been great. And I, and I do think that that's high hindsight it's everything that I was hoping that owning my own business was would be it is what it is now I'm not to say that it's that everything has been great since then but but it's still I wouldn't change it for anything you know it's it's really giving you the flexibility and the freedom and to do the things that I wanted to do with my business so that was going to be my next question with that um your what is it that you love so much is the flexibility and the freedom is it of time or of what you can where you can go with your business a little bit of everything right now it's the t it's the time and you know I, I i feel like um especially working from the house that um you know, and I'd, I'd be lying if I said I spent, you know, I spent eight hours a day, you know, behind the computer focusing on this business. But it's, um, it's, it, it may also be because I've got, you know, 30 years of experience in it that, that I feel like I can, I can, you know, I can focus my day on a chunk of time in the morning, focusing on business. And then if I need to shift gears and do something totally different than the business for an hour or two or whatever I can do that and and then um, so, so I, I I like the flexibility of not having nine to five essentially mm -hmm. and and I can I can focus on the business as I need to and if I'm as you know laying in bed in the middle of the night I'm strategizing and doing stuff like that so you can it, it's it's still kind of a a never-ending cycle, but it's not so cut and dry. Of, I got to be there at this time. I got to, you know, go to lunch at this time. I got to do this. So um, it, it really has. It's been relaxing for me in the sense that um, I feel like I'm more productive and creative. And that's really nice. Tell me what you like least about being a uh, owner, business owner. Um, the yeah, so certainly the the administrative part of it was, um, I, you know, there, I probably I because I was so excited and 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 confident in starting this, you know, for me it was like, hey, I got I've got the relationships, I got the clients, I got the products, I, I know the industry, great, let's do it, and um, then it's the oh, I got to do invoicing, oh, I've got to do accounting, oh, I've got to pay taxes, oh, I got to do all that, so. So yeah, so all that stuff has been um, a learning curve for me to get into and, um, you know, talking about taking blocks, you know, two hour sales blocks here, I got to, I got to have a block of accounting and QuickBooks tutorials and stuff like that, because, you know, right now I'm doing it all. So, so that's the biggest challenge is, is, you know, making sure I'm not, you know, things aren't slipping through the cracks on the administrative side. So which part of it do you put off the most? the admin the accounting, accounting. <laughs> the accounting stuff. yeah, yeah they, I, don't know why. I think i like i jump into accounting because it feels like it easy i can just do this real quick i don't have to think about it um it's the the big 
work that I put off, like the book report type stuff, you know, strategy. Once I get into it, I'm like, oh, this is so cool and I love this and I'm so excited. But getting started is uh, the hard part for me on those. Well, you know, and as you say that, you're probably a lot more strategic with that than I am too. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I certainly, I certainly can do a lot better job at so many things that I'm doing. That's, that's one thing that I regret because I, you know, it's, I'm doing so much that, you know, I'm kind of, kind of like everything else. I'm, I'm a jack of all these trades, but I'm not a master of any of them. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure my, you know, my marketing needs to be stepped up, my marketing efforts, my, my sales calls and networking and all that stuff. I, I wish that I could, I wish that I could focus, you know, on one of those um, at a time, but, but I kind of feel like I, they all probably, they all are probably, um, they all probably suffer a little bit just because I'm, I'm trying to manage them all at the same time. Hopefully one day I'll be able to have people focus on each of those certain areas and, and free me up in that time. With, who do you think or what role do you think you would hire first? I keep going back to accounting just, yeah. just because it's, to, and, and I think it's because I, I don't like to leave it a mess. I, I do like, I'm one that likes to balance his checkbook to the penny, you know, after months. And so I don't, so I like my, I like my business to be that way, but I just don't have the time to focus on that and learn you know, really learn the process, learn quick, QuickBooks is like overwhelming to me. And, um, and I mean, you could, I could really uh, spend hours and hours trying to be efficient at that. I, I know enough, just enough to be dangerous, but I'd like to be able to just hire somebody to take care of all that. I want to focus on client relationships, projects, um, marketing, networking, and the stuff you, you know, enjoy and you know, you're good yeah, at it. Yeah, I love I love the whole the whole process of you know the the sitting down and strategizing with clients, kind of seeing what their needs are, um, you know what shows they're going to, what what um, what the expectation is at show, and then and then tailor a plan, whether it be an exhibit and graphics or just the whole um, you know the uh, logistical part of it if they're you know going internationally or whatever. So I I like that I like that kind of production work part of it. So uh, tell me, and I mean, I know because I've been working with you and on this side of it for years and years, but a lot of people listening may not know what show services means or may not ever have actually attended a trade show yet. Um, so tell us about like end to end, what, what does 5D do? What is show services? Yeah, so, uh, so actually, so 5D show services is exhibits, graphics, and services. So Exhibits is the physical structure, the graphics is the branding and all the pretty printing that goes on there. And then the services is pretty much everything outside of that, the logistics of, of getting it fabricated, getting it from the factory to the show, helping a client with the whole sh um, show book of, of a trade show. When you, when you go to a, um, a trade show, you get a show manual. It used to be a physical manual, now it's all online, but it's it's overwhelming, and, and a lot of the times I'm I'm dealing with clients, you know, especially new people to trade shows, with, with that are just overwhelmed by what all that means. You know, when you get this manual with a login, it's like, oh my god, it's where do you start? And it's everything from, you know, the what they call drayage, which is you know when they're accepting the freight in at the at the either the warehouse or the the trade show or the the convention site. 
Um, there's, you know, you have to order electrical and, um, you know, any kind of uh, carpet cleaning and, and pretty much any kind of services, we can help the client navigate through that, that manual um, and then make sure they're, frankly, three quarters of that manual, most people don't ever, ever need. So, but, but sometimes people just need to hear that. It's like, here, go to these five forms. Oh, you just you need to fill five pages, yeah. Yeah, get you those five pages. Ones. So it's, yeah. it's a lot of that. I, I think um, a lot of people who have never attended, well, there are those who've attended, just like walked the floor of a trade show and they see there's, you know, the 10 by 10 spaces where there's like backdrops like this or the roll up banners, um, you know, brochures on the table. And then you have the, the big guys that have, you know, a 40 by 40 space and um, there's stuff hanging from the ceiling and lighting and all sorts of custom um, shapes and sizes. And I think it's important to, to know that Danny's group does all of that and can help you, you know, not only um, purchase it and get it there and get it set up, but to help you determine, you know, what's your goal? How, what are you trying to achieve there? What's your budget? Oh, well, let's take advantage of that. Let's open up these walls. You know, are you having meetings on site? Um, you know, all, all the questions that you guys ask are so much more than um, order taking of like, oh, tell, tell, give, send me your artwork and I'll have it made. Um, so I think that's, that's really important. And also I'm thinking from a marketing standpoint that uh, it's really very, very important. I'm gonna like right, look right at the camera. <laughs> to say that if you plan on being a, having a booth at a show, you need two to three months advance notice to start planning and talking with your design team and your show team. Um, you know, six months is great because then you can really strategize and you can figure out how you're going to market, how you're going to do maybe pre-show meetings or post-show meetings or dinners afterwards or, you know, take advantage of all the expenses. It may cost you at a minimum $10,000 to be there. You might as well take somebody to dinner while you're there. <laughs> so what else do you have to say? Um, Advice. Yeah, that's all. No, that's all excellent, excellent uh, stuff. And, and that's really what we try to focus on, uh, especially those larger island exhibits or, or even inline, you know, the 10 by 20s or 20 by 20s and larger. But yeah, we really spend a lot of time with the, uh, with the client, the discovery meeting before that, 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 yeah, we want to find out all that stuff, you know, what we want to find. And, and that's why you and I, I, I love working with you on, because um, you're so good at, capturing that with your clients, you know, about the branding and messaging and what, what the idea is at the show. And a lot of times you bring that information to me and then it, it um, you know, we, we build structures and things around that space. And, and yeah, obviously the larger and the more complex the exhibit uh, is and, and depending on the location, the more time, it's, it's certainly best to, you know, I love hearing you say that, you know, two, three months out is, is ideal. You know, but at the same time, you know, the things behind you, we can, we can crank out banner stands and back walls and, you know, seven to 10 days too. Right. So it's, I think we um, had a week on this one and uh, we turn our artwork around quickly. Yeah, exactly. So, and you know, that's, that's part of the education too, that what we get into with the, with the services. A lot of times people, 
usually when you're dealing with with larger companies that have larger exhibits, they're going to have a marketing department and a, you know a, maybe an ad agency or somebody who's who's capable of creating the artwork. Um, a lot of times, though, I deal with people that have no marketing department. They have um, they have no way of creating the large format graphics, which you you know is critical to get the high resolution and and designing for billboards rather than small small print. So. So that's another service that we offer is, you know, people need help with, with that kind of, I call it production art. We mm -hmm. can help with that. Um, you know, I certainly like to send people your way and, uh, you know, when somebody needs a full creative concept for their brand, you know, that, that, that's usually when I like to partner with someone like you to, to take care of those kind of needs. What are some of the biggest obstacles that you find businesses run into on a regular basis when it comes to trade shows and events? Say that again. The, some of the biggest, the biggest obstacles that you like that they you, you see uh, people run into this time and time again. They just don't think about it. Yeah, you know what? Especially with the people that are that are new to trade shows, the the biggest thing I see is they don't understand the the big scope of things. And you know, I'll, I'll inevitably, I'll get somebody that will call me and say, Hey, we're going to, I've got a show. We're doing a 20 by 20 and you know, uh, California. It's like, Oh great. When's the show? Oh, in two weeks. And it's like, Oh, well, what do you have anything? Do you know nope, this is our first one? We have nothing. And so it's, so it's really that that's a, so there's the, the people who know it and the people who've been in the trenches, they know, and they, they know how, how to how to schedule the time the 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 biggest hurdle that we run into and we try to we still try to to fulfill these orders but the people that need something essentially overnight wouldn't and they're starting from nothing so we're not only are we educating them on the whole the way that it works because the last thing i want to do is is be the naysayer. It's like, oh no, you can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. But I also want to set real expectations and say, look, we can do it, but to get that kind of exhibit in two weeks, it, you're, you've already missed, you know, cutoff days at the at the you know advanced warehouse. So so there's all these things that by 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 missing those critical deadlines, they're really adding to their budget. Even though they think that they're saving money on the front end, they're actually adding it on the back end because they're expediting freight. They're they're paying overcharges for, you know, having to go direct to a show site and everything is just truncated and, and more expensive as you have to squeeze it in. So, um, so yeah, it's, um, and, and if it, what I like is when we do have a client like that, that comes in and appreciates what, what we did for them in that tight turnaround. And then it's like, ah, I get it next time they're going to, so you keep that client, but, the next time they know it's like okay we need to start playing and then and then we can kind of help them set up an expectation for future shows and kind of give them timelines for things like that so i've, I've seen it work both ways where where people where clients come and then they feel trapped and then they feel like like the company kind of took advantage of them because they were in such dire need to get to that show and i don't ever want someone to feel that way i'd, I'd rather them feel educated and even if, and I've told people this too, it's like, I'd almost rather you not go to the show because of what it's going to cost you to get there. And let's look at what other show, what other show options you have that give you enough time. And even if you, even if you spent the money and went and walked the show this time, but don't try to invest right. in a two week period just to, just to make an impression there. 
Yeah, that's a good point. You can't um, you can't set up your strategy ahead of time for collecting leads or following up. Um, you can't get the custom um, anything. You're you know you're stuck with what can we do quickly, and then you do have all of those extra expenses for shipping and uh, the the collection of the materials and transfer of the materials once they're there, and then sometimes you're we uh, you're stuck with. Um, uh, whatever materials you had from a like brochure standpoint. So we've had people say, hey, we're at CES in Vegas. Can you create a one-sheeter real quick for us and we'll print it at the, the post office in our hotel and then we'll pick it up. Like, yeah, yeah, we can do that, but there might be mistakes in the copyright. Yeah, <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah, and you know that, yeah. All of that stuff, you just open yourself up for mistakes when you're just really trying to crunch it in there. And it's, and, but that's a good point too. And we do, you know, talking about solutions for those, for those short windows too, is we do offer rentals and, and things like that. But, but even, even when someone comes to us and thinks they're going to do a 20 by 20 in two weeks and we say, well, you can't, you know, I don't know that we could build something in that design and build something custom in that time, but, but we do have rental options. And then I, even that within a two week period, if they're, if they have no concept of what they're doing, really feels like a, like a, a band-aid fix. And, and again, it's like, I don't think that that's really in their best interest of spending, you know, $20,000 on a, on a rental even that they haven't really thought through. So what I typically tell people from a timeline standpoint is that um, we want to have all of our planning and artwork completely done at least two weeks prior to the show. So that then we're just looking at printing and shipping. Mm -hmm. You get it in the hands of your, you know, your printer, whether it's your, you know, brochure printer, your trade show printer. You, um, if your best case scenario is that all of your planning, all of your logistics, all of your meetings are set up two weeks prior, and then you can handle um, any artwork changes or you know things that pop up from a uh, proofing standpoint or uh, oh the image isn't high res enough or whatever it is then you have time to you know work through those details without panic exactly yeah and then that's and you know that too we both had those stories too where it's like because to a client if you tell a client yeah i need i need you know seven working days to get these printed and you don't get artwork until the fifth day and then it's low resolution and they're, they're still thinking that they're in that five that seven day period it's like well i got you the artwork within the seven days like no i need seven days from the time we get the artwork and that's print ready and all that so so yeah it's it's exciting it's so fun <laughs> <laughs> so um so i asked you what the biggest obstacle is for clients what's been your biggest obstacle other than getting started, because that's a whole hour-long conversation there, <laughs> um, what, what's been your biggest struggle with your, uh, just being a business owner or this particular kind of business owner? Yeah, it's, I, would, I would say for me, the, uh, some of the struggle has been um, finding, my, finding my, new, um, my new day, you know, it's like what my plan is for the day. And it's, you know, it was easy when I went into an office because you kind of, you're kind of trapped there for, you know, essentially all day. And it's like, you know, you had meetings and you had kind of, kind of had your routine in place. Uh, for me here, because it's, it's easy to be distracted and, and, and um, 
and kind of, I've got to be focused. It's nice that I can come out to my space here and it can essentially be my, my office, but um, yeah, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's probably been the discipline of staying on, on task and, and staying with my making sure that I'm making enough calls and making enough contacts and doing the things that I need to do in the day. At the same time, I do feel like that, you know, that's kind of the stress that I can come back here and, and sit in my desk and sit in the office and, you know, you know, you don't get calls or emails from, from people in a day or two or whatever. And it's like, it can be that kind of panic moment as a new, as a, as a business owner. But I do find that it's like, if I just let, if I leave my desk and go do something else to clear my mind, it's, a, it's interesting that when I come back, that a lot of times the work is there. It's yeah. like, it's like kind of like the, you know, a, a watch kettle never boils or something that it's like, as soon as I leave and I'm doing other things, then um, as long as I'm doing the, as long as I'm doing the, the things I need to do to, to fill the funnel, I don't have to watch it every minute of the day. And it's, um, but, but that's kind of been a struggle for me to, to, to find that routine. Mm -hmm. What are your, um, your go-to methods of filling the funnel? Um, a lot, lot of, uh, a lot of online strategy stuff, LinkedIn and make kind of making contacts with LinkedIn is good. I've got my, uh, my networking groups that I try to stay in contact with. Um, I, I need to get, get better at getting out and doing like the coffees and the meet and the greets and, and the networking things, but I'm not finding that the, uh, just picking up the, the call, picking up the phone is not, um, has not worked well for me. Um, leaving lots of voice messages and things like that does not seem to be um, what people want. And and I know as a when I was when I was in the office and I get people calling me, that's not what I wanted. So I try to I try to put myself in a customer's um, in the customer's shoes and how I want to be addressed mm -hmm. as a as a, a customer, and just try to focus try to focus my energy that way to reach out to people. So I, I would say that, um, you know, having worked with you for this long, that that's probably your, the main reason why you've been successful uh, as a sales and strategy person before and as a business owner now that you're just continually putting yourself in the shoes of your customer and, and the mindset of your customer and, you know, how do they want to be approached, how they want to be, um, you know, what would, what would you want if you were in their place? Um, and that that's been your kind of mode of success without even knowing it. Yeah, thanks. And um, I, I do feel like that that's what works for me too. And um, it's, I, I, I think I get a lot of referrals because of that too. And, um, and that's really, that's really what has worked best for me is just repeat clients and referrals and, um, and I love that because I mean, that's, yeah, it's kind of just reassuring that I'm, I'm doing, doing what's right for me. And it's, I, I've said this before, and this is probably terrible to, to put on record, but I've always, I've told people that I'm not, I'm, I'm not a great salesperson. I'm not a typical salesperson. And, 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 and maybe it's, it's the way that I'm, I'm phrasing it, but I don't like to be labeled as a salesperson but I like everything that goes along with what I do. It's like, I like the interaction with people. I like taking care of clients and I like, you know, finding a need and servicing that need. 
And so, you know, if that's what, what um, sales is, then, then so be it. But I, 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 I certainly don't like to be labeled as, I, so many people, especially in the trade show industry, will, will refer to salespeople as the, you know, like a car salesperson. And that's the last thing I want to be compared to journey in the world you always get the butt of the jokes um yeah, yeah no I, I completely agree with that people say the same thing or you know i would say i hate sales i'm a terrible salesperson somehow i've been able to be successful at some role of sales for 20 years but right yes it's all about the referral and the relationships i i have not Absolutely. i don't pick up the phone um you know yeah. not to make calls like that so um, let's talk about the, um, you know, your business is. Before you jump yeah. on that, I was just going to finish up. But your, your story of the Torchy's Tacos connection is awesome. Oh, Because yeah. that, that, that was, I mean, that's a great, that was a, essentially a cold call story totally. too. And that yeah. was so awesome. And that was, I, I, I think about that all the time when I'm, you know, it's like, and, and I think that's the, the, the way that's most successful is like when you have a specific person that you want to target, a specific client or whatever, I, I think that's, a, you did, a, that was an awesome, uh, awesome strategy and an awesome result. Thank you. So for those who don't know, I think that what happened was I, um, I was trying to figure out who to, um, where and who to launch the podcast with. And um, I had a couple of ideas that weren't really panning out. And then I thought, what business is really driven by their mission, their vision, and their passion? And they're known in this area um, that I could go and have an event at their space. And in the middle of the night, I thought, Torchies, Torchies Tacos. And so I looked them up. And sure enough, they really, um, Mike Rivka lives through and breathes through his mission and vision without even knowing it. It's just part of the core of what he wants for his business. And so they give back to the community, they foster their employees, they really, really have passion about their products and um, they're just phenomenal. So I just dug and dug and dug and just kept like, well, okay, I'm gonna try this and that didn't work. So I'm gonna try this and that didn't work. And um, finally, you know, called headquarters, sent an email and got it, uh, email from Mike saying, hey, text me is the best way to get in touch. So I did. Um, yeah, so cool. That was great. But the, I think the point with that for me, I he had heard for years and years that it's not hard to sell when you know for certain that you can provide something great for the person that you're going after. Exactly so, right. And that, you know, for me, that, that he, he was perfect. Like, I want to highlight how good of a job he's been doing. And I think that's been happening for me a lot and uh, my husband has been um talking about how like the fear just leaves me and i'll be like oh that's so and so the owner of what i know just go after him and like stop them and you know we're like wait for them to finish their conversation <laughs> it's like all right i need to because you do such a good job with your business and i'm starstruck by them because they do a, such a good job and yeah. they're like well who's gonna want to know about my little old business i'm like i know <laughs> And I, so I feel like other people do too. Sure. Um, so oh, yeah, that was a great, I mean, yeah, that was a good thing. And a great story that, that event turned out great. And yeah, and you're right. It was, it, it was great to hear, hear all about him. And, and what, what was cool about him too, that Torchy's guys, how humble he was about that, you know? And it's like, you know, sometimes you feel like these really successful people have 
you know, have it all together. And it's like, he's like, you know, like sometimes he's winging it mm-hmm. with, with probably in the early days more so, but yeah, that was, that was really insightful. It, it mm-hmm. is. Um, I, I think that most, most of the people who you think are insanely successful and have all these great strategies, um, a lot of times they are winging it, but because their passion and their mission is so clear, the, the wings are going in the right direction. Does that yes. make sense? And like, painted. Um, it's kind of like when you walk away, you come back and your, your, you know, your email is, you know, full or you get new business, but that's because you've been pointed and you've been saying the right things for so long that, that your, your cup is filling, you know, yes. when, you're, when you're away. I totally agree. That's, and we were just talking about this last night where it's like, yeah, it's, it's the passion is the, the, the passion and the idea is the, is the business strategy. Here's the business is the business plan, whether you've got it written down or you're just constantly thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like you just said, it's like all paths are leaving to, leading towards that. And you're driven by your passion. It's just like, I think that's just a, that's a, um, recipe for success. I agree. And when, when you are clear about that, I think, you know, at this, this time in, you know, your early business, when it's just you, um, you can, you can let that, that path guide you. Um, and it gets more and more challenging as you have more and more people underneath you. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to Mike and, and that's actually, um, Vista Brewing, that's my dog <laughs> making noises. Um, Vista Brewing is on our list to have our next event there. And they came, uh, the owners, Kent and Karen, came to uh, the My Gripka event because they wanted to hear how did you grow and scale and get all these employees and keep them aligned to that mission. Nice. Um, and you just, you keep talking about it and you keep that clarity. And if you keep the clarity as you grow, then hopefully the the mission and the vision grows with you and with all of those people that come on board. And I think, um, you know, we're in the process of developing uh, leadership programs uh, to help people with that and and keep their teams just staying on board. And one of the things that we're really interested in seeing, you know, right now we're in the kind of height of the COVID-19 coronavirus crisis. And we're seeing that the countries and communities and businesses that have clear uh, leadership, they, they know what their value systems are. They may not, you know, a, a county or a city may not have a mission, but the leaders have a vision. And the more clear they are on what their value system is, the quicker they can make decisions, the quicker they're... Um, you know, administrations and everybody under them can make decisions because they are, they know where to go and they feel mm-hmm. like they're empowered that they know that they have an understanding that this is the, what the directive would be if we had time to ask, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and that they can communicate that really well too. I think what I'm, what I'm learning in this whole process too is that that's a huge, you know, if, if you can communicate that to your, to your employees too, you know, mm-hmm that your passion um, kind of drives the business. It, it, it's infectious to, to everybody. And then if you can communicate that and get everybody on board, it's, it's huge. It is, it's absolutely huge. 
Um, and even when, you know, like you and I, we have, we work with a lot of contractors. And so um, what, how do you go about picking your um, either contractors that you work with for, you know, setting up a trade show in another city or with um, picking the, uh, the vendors that, you know, do your printing for you? How do you go about finding those people? Yeah, so um, it's kind of a um, got a lot of lot of um, connections in the industry, but really what what connects me with ultimately with the people that I work with is one being able to you know work well with the people. So it's kind of the three P's: the people, the product, and the pricing. But um, you know, I definitely got to work well with the with the people, and we've got to kind of be in alignment on our ideas and work um, philosophies. And then the products, um, I certainly need to, you know, feel confident. I've got to trust the, the products and I've got to feel good about the comp, you know, I got to be confident and passionate about the products in order to uh, feel good about presenting those to my clients as solutions. And then it's got to be competitive. You know, the pricing has got to be competitive. And what, what I have found over the years is typically where all that is in alignment is usually when, when I'm feeling good about a product, that, that the that the people who are representing who are making that product or, or representing that product we're kind of all seem to be in alignment because we kind of have that same common interest of yeah this is good stuff and I love the way this works and whatever so so those three things always seem to kind of go go hand in hand um, and and so yeah it's really the, the people and the product are the, the first thing and then obviously it's got it's got to make sense for mm -hmm. everybody's budget so um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I've, I've gone about it so far and that seems to be working well, but I'm always, always looking for new, you know, and exciting products that there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things in the industry that's exciting to me right now. And, um, you know, a lot of, uh, virtual reality things that are, that are really cool. And I'm, I'm actually been, um, not partnering with people, but just talking to people in that space and and kind of making those early connections and those early relationships and that, and kind of seeing how my my business model and their business model could work together that's cool and, and um because you're you're on the front lines making the recommendations to the clients and so that it makes sense for some of them to have ai or vr as a part of their um, show or event experience so since we are in the middle of stay at home Tell us about how that's affected your business because you're all about these large, uh, you know, multi-person get-togethers. Yeah, and, and that's been a struggle for sure. It's um, it's been interesting to see. Well, first of all, for me personally, it's you know, um, fortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately is that business stopped in March. So really, you know, I've got I've got clients who have some shows in and late summer that we're still fingers crossed that haven't been canceled. So we're, you know, still cautiously optimistic that those will happen. Um, you know, it, there's lots of things to consider there, but um, I've only had a couple of clients that um, were in the middle of getting things produced when their shows canceled. Mm -hmm. So it was like, so, so it was, it was unfortunate, but they weren't huge projects and it was, um, and so, my my business personally 
as far as loss goes, has been minimal, except for potential business. You know, obviously that that's been tough, but um, but it's been interesting for me to see how um, other people in my industry have have kind of retooled. You know, and especially bigger companies like the manufacturers, the people who are doing custom exhibits and custom building things, where you know there's some of them are shifting and they're doing like you know all of a sudden they're retooling their CNC routers to do PPE and do things like that, which is, which is awesome. You know, it's a, it's a great uh, use of their equipment, great use, you know, great need for the healthcare industry. And um, so I, I'm not in a position to do that. I don't have any, I don't do any manufacturing, but, but it's, I do, I'm inspired by, by that kind of um, ingenuity and just seeing how people are, are, you know, it's, it's not, one thing I struggle in all of this is like, how do I, you know, I still have products that I could offer people that might be beneficial during this time, but I struggle with, you know, how do I, I don't want to market myself, but I also want to, I want to, I, I, I do want to market myself, but I really want to do it in the sense of, I want to help the, mm -hmm. the community and more, you know, so, so I struggled with that a little bit, but, but, but we did, we came out with something where we were just offering, you know, for, throughout this time through the end of May, we're offering, you know, deep discounts on a lot of these products that can, can be used for the healthcare and kind of the, the frontline people. Mm -hmm. But it's, um, so, so yeah, it's, it's been kind of a, it's been a challenge for me as a small business to figure out where my space is or, you know, in this time without, without being too salesy, if you know, you know what I mean? I want to, yeah. I want to be helpful and I want to survive as a company. And, um, but I also want to do it responsibly. Yeah. Um, I just interviewed Justin Foster with Root and River uh, a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to paraphrase. Um, he said, you know, you, you don't want to go quiet. You don't want to go dark. You want to keep telling your story. Um, but you can't sell, you know, in the traditional, like you were saying, car salesman way, you can't be cold. Um, it's like someone trying to come in. <laughs> I forgot I'm on camera. My daughter was just about to come inside, so I was trying to get <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, so it, it is, it is an interesting time. It, you know, and the thing that I, I was on a call with uh, Brody Lee, a coach who coaches coaches, um, and he was saying, you know, people really need a lot of services right now. And they need to be thinking about their business. They need to be planning and strategizing differently. You know, everybody's in this like shift or uh, bob and weave pivot, you know, yeah, whatever you want right. to call it phase. And I think it's really so healthy for leaders to realize that we have to be in this mindset all the time. Um, we just don't have to do it this quickly <laughs> most of the yeah, time. Right. And we don't all do it at the same time. Yes, right. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. It's been... Um, it's it's a weird time, and um, it's going to be interesting to see what our what we look like when we come out of this. Because I think there's going to be a lot of um, yeah a lot of new things put in place uh, um, after this. So it's going to it's it's been kind of a it's been interesting. It's been a, it's been a struggle, but it's also been inspiring too to see to see when people are doing it. You know doing it responsibly and doing it well, mm -hmm. um, whatever that means, you know, whether they're 
donating stuff or time and products and or or retooling their equipment to to help a need. Yeah. Yeah, it has been really very fascinating to watch. Um, you know, one of the things that I see about you, one of the big questions that I usually ask is how do you handle competition and roadblocks? I, I think I know the answer because I know you well enough, but um, how would you answer that? Like, how do you handle these types of or any challenges and roadblocks? Yeah, I, you know, I would say, I, um, one, I can, only, I can only do what I can do, you know? So I, um, I, um, I try not to, um, I try not to worry myself too much about what my competition is doing that I'm not um, at this point. You know, I kind of, I do, I do my thing and I try and I do it to the best of my ability. And I try to, um, um, not, not to say that I'm not open-minded if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, somebody else is doing this and can you do that or whatever. I'd, I'd certainly be willing to, to make sure I'm doing what, you know, what the, the market needs, but I really try to do my thing and I try to do it, um, to the best that I can and, and offer the best products and best pricing, the best service. And, um, and hopefully that, that is what, what it takes. Um, but I, I will, I'd be, I'd be lying if I, if I didn't say that I, you know, getting on LinkedIn and seeing what a lot of the other industry does, it can be, it can be daunting and it can be like, Oh, should I be doing that? Should I be doing that? And I, and I do need to reel myself in a little bit. It's like, you know, that's something to aspire to if I wanted to, ultimately get there, but, but I have to be realistic of where I am and, and do the best with, with the tools that I have, have now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, um, a good way for everyone to think about it. You can always improve, you can always move forward, you can always aspire to greater things, but all you can do is the best you can do with the tools that you have. Yeah. 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 Is that what you were gonna, is that what you thought I'd say? <laughs> yeah. So what are you most grateful for in your life, not necessarily your business? Um, so probably be too cliche to say, you know, my family, but that's, you know, that's really it. The, the, the girls are awesome. Uh, um, you know, the support of my wife um, has been huge and my family, you know, from my mother and brother and, you know, everybody helping um, support me to do this has been awesome. And yeah, just my daughters watching my, my teenage daughters grow up as, as prickly, we call them being prickly as they can be. They're still pretty awesome to, to watch, you know, they're, they're certainly smarter and more insightful at their age than I ever was as a teenager. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool to, to see them and got one that's about to go to college. So that's been, um, that's been kind of an interesting thing to navigate. And then the other one's a freshman in high school. So but they're, yeah, they're what I'm most proud of. That's beautiful. What inspires you? Where do you find your inspiration? <laughs> uh, you know, everywhere. I like to, um, I, and I keep going back to the jack of, jack of all trades, master of none. I, I, I love to do a lot of different things. And so I get inspired by, you know, if it's a, you know, a mountain bike rider that I'm, you know, admire, I get inspired by him or a, 
woodworker or a musician or, you know, or a business leader. So um, it's really kind of, and a lot of design. I, I, I'm, I'm a very visual learner, kind of visual person. So I, I get inspired by just beautiful design too and whatever that means. If it's woodworking or bikes or drums or um, graphic design or exhibits. So um, kind of to take all that stuff in is uh, I, I kind of, I always think of like, like um, 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 Steve Jobs. I always felt like he was, a guy who, you know, you know, taking his his management style out of the things, I just always admired the, you know, his his attention to detail and his attention to the aesthetics of things, and you know, reading about him, like, you know, even as simple as taking like font classes, you know, he was like really into the design of things, and and I kind of I, I like that I like that idea, you know, and it doesn't have to be a font or it doesn't have to be a uh, computer, but just that taking that that uh, aesthetic design and inspiration out of nature and everything, it kind of kind of was inspiring to me. That's fantastic. That's what a great way to live life. It's overwhelming sometimes. I think <laughs> at the same time, it's like it might be a my ADD kind of kicks in. It's like, oh, that's pretty. Hey, I like that. It's like <laughs> all. Uh, Everything's inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like my kids think that about me. I'm like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that over there. <laughs> look how pretty. Oh, yeah. look at that little thing on this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. I, I, I need to be better at, at taking it all down. I think I, I think I, um, I take it all in visually, uh -huh. but I, 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 I need to do a better job of you know, seeing something, writing it down, or, and I do, I, I put a lot of that in my phone, and it's so easy now to take pictures of things, so I, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, if I see a design idea for exhibit stuff, it's like, I like taking pictures and kind of sketching stuff out, so, um, That's yeah, really there's lots, you know, lots of things I'm inspired by. Dave, uh, who I used to work for at Envision, one of the things he would always say and tell to his designers is he's constantly seeing um, other designs and not just admiring them, but looking at them closely to say, how did they do that? And you think about the way you know your tools and then, you know, we're like, oh, I see there's a trap shadow and they did this. Like, what, did they do that in Photoshop or Illustrator? And yes. really dissecting it instead of just admiring it, like really figuring out how someone came to do that. I think painters and visual artists do a really good job of that sometimes. Absolutely. And, and in exhibit design, there's really, I, I really appreciate, um, I'm such an amateur designer. Well, I mean, I, I know what I like and I, I like, I can, and I can kind of help do some creative um, uh, design work and direction, but I, I really love working with designers who can kind of in that discovery meeting with clients really extract what their what their brands about what their product is what their goal is and then really put together a, just a killer design that makes sense and it's not just oh that's a pretty design we're going to put all your branding on it's like no it needs to the structure needs to make sense the flow and the space and all that and all that and it's it, kind of what you were talking about earlier once you have that and, and you buy into it the designer buys into it. It's so easy to present that to clients. That this is the solution. This is, you know, it's like, and not to, not to be arrogant or anything, but it's like, 
this is like nailing everything that you talked about. It's like, you know, and it does all that. What, what I always struggle with is there are people out there that will take that initial design and just rehash it. Like, oh, this worked for that client. We're going to just take that design because it's, we paid for it or whatever reason. It's, it's in our portfolio. And, and not to say that there's not kit, kit designs out there, but for these big custom projects, it's, um, I don't know, I just have that appreciation for that, for the, the work behind that and, and really making sure that all that makes sense and, you know, getting the lighting and just the, the technical aspect of all that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it always um, amazes me to like sit in the same room in the same meeting with a copywriter or a designer and um, you know, we all, we all talk about, you know, what we heard and, you know, put it together and I sketch something out and then it all comes together and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's That's amazing. It. Yeah. How did like our brains all come together to make that happen? Or how did your brain hear all the in-betweens and the nuances and the feelings and the goals and the clients and everything. And you just, like yeah. made it into this magical, beautiful, effective piece of artwork. It's so yes. phenomenal to watch. Yeah, it really is. And it, yeah, and then everybody, then everybody is happy, you know. And it's yeah, it's those are the best projects for sure. Mm-hmm. Those are good. Yeah, absolutely astonishing. What do you see? It's maybe hard to say in the like umbrella of COVID, but <laughs> what do you see for the yeah. future of 5D, like we talked about if you were going to hire an accountant or, you know, someone to help you with your books, do you see it growing to a office or do you like being where you are? I, I definitely like being where I am. Um, I, you know, there's, there's so much, especially considering I'm seeing so many people in my industry and, and, and this is a necessity for some people, but I'm so grateful that I don't have a big Warehouse. Big office, a big warehouse, a lot of assets and a lot of things. It's, you know, this is just, it's me and, and, um, and my team, you know, I've got, I've got, uh, partners that I work with and everybody, uh, kind of has their own space. So, so that's great. And I'd like to stay in that space as long as I can, if it makes sense. I'm certainly not opposed to growing if it, if it makes sense, but, um, but I like, I like the space where I am, um, it's interesting as far as, you know, accounting and all that stuff, that, that certainly would be, be great. And I kind of feel like as, as, as the company's more successful, that will kind of take care of itself. I'll be able to hire that out or whatever. What, what, I'm, what I think about most is like, where's my industry going? And with this, with uh, COVID-19, it's been interesting because I've, I've seen the, the, the AVs and the virtual realities and AI and all that stuff, you know, even five years ago. Um, and so it's really been, been talking to a friend of mine now with, with the way it's going now is it, it seems like a good opportunity to, to do virtual trade shows right now, even though we've been talking about virtual trade shows for 20 years and it, it's never, never taken off. I, I still don't think that it's ever going to, you're ever going to, you're ever going to, get rid of the, and I don't want to, because I think you need the interaction with people. And I think the trade, the physical trade show space is a great way to do that. But I think there's just so much exciting, unexplored things with 
the virtual reality aspect of trade shows. And, you know, whether that's just a small space in a booth or it's a, people are gonna be virtually, you know, they're gonna be socially distanced and they're gonna have their VR glasses or whatever they're doing and just gonna submerge themselves in a, in a virtual trade show from their desk. Mm -hmm. so, so all that's kind of exciting. I don't know, uh, you know, some people are doing it already and doing it well. Um, but, but not to the full extent, you know, and I think it's like, I don't know if you're ever into drones, but, uh, it's kind of like the drone industry was five years ago, where it's like, it just blew up and, you know, it, it got to a point where it's like, flooded. what's that? And now you can get a drone for $10. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I think the, I think as, as that VR industry becomes a little bit more saturated, hopefully it'll make a little bit more sense for, for every exhibitor to be able to use it. Yeah, but to some extent, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Do you, do you have much experience with that in in your industry? Do you have clients that talk to you about that? Uh, so, kind of like you, we've been talking about integrating virtual reality or augmented reality for like seven years at least. Um, most of my clients don't have the budget, like you said. You know, like drones. Well, they've kind of come down in price quite a bit. So the accessibility is much greater. So almost every videographer and photographer has a drone now so they, they can add that to their mix. Um, I think you're right. What I do see though is a lot of the shows or events, let's say I have a client that is a um, association for educators in the physical education space. And so um, they have two conferences every year, um, one in the summer and one in the fall. And so their summer conference, they were thinking about just canceling altogether. And I said, why? Why do you, you don't need to do that? Do the technologies out there, you don't have to have a, you know, Yes, I feel 100% that going to an event where there are people and they have the physical energy and you can shake hands and get people's cards and especially when it's a physical education association, that you do get up and do a lot of movement activities and learn new, new things. But um, it's not 100% necessary in order to continue to have. So it's a fix or a, an add-on to the existing uh, show environment. And I've seen some virtual trade shows. I, I did a, quite a bit of research on it and I only found like one or two companies that were doing a really good job of having a truly virtual trade show floor where you could walk in and everybody's booths are a little bit different. You have kind of like the, the wrap or whatever on the, um, you know, their artwork and you have virtual white papers and brochures you can click and read more information you can click to watch their little video if they have one and you can set up meetings and you can chat with the people at, at any particular booth live chat at particular hours um and then and then you can exit you like you know back up and you exit yeah. and you yeah, go to the session and yeah. You can leave the session and go back to a happy hour or whatever it is. So I think that there's a lot of um, opportunity in that for times like now when it's not possible to get out and meet or if somebody wants to add that on to their event and say, you can attend our virtual event for this much money or you can come and be here for this much money. Exactly. Yeah. But it's not going to replace. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or if somebody says like, we just want to have, cause people have been doing virtual, you know, webinars or webinar conferences. Um, that's been really popular this year. We have multi-day or a couple years that you have multi-day virtual conferences and you can log in whenever you want to, you pay whatever, however much per day and you log in what, where, how, whenever you want to and, and watch the sessions that you want to, you kind of pick your sessions. Yeah. Um, awesome. but I would rather go to an event. That's just me. Yeah. Well, I, I do think that it's, and like I said, this, since the, since the invent of the internet, they've been talking about trade show, physical trade shows going away by the way side of virtual. And, and I, I don't see that being, uh, I certainly see that being an option, but I don't see it wiping out the trade show industry. And, um, but I was going to tell you, and you might appreciate this in, in marketing, but so my oldest has been applying to all these schools. Well, um, University of Oregon had, they, they've had the best marketing and the merch that they sent out, but they sent this cool little box. So I, I used to have it out here, but so it was a, it was a little cardboard box branded with a duck, you know, it was green and yellow and you open it up and then you pull the cardboard thing out and it's, and then you fold it up and then you put your cell phone in there. And so it's an augmented reality. So you download the app and you put on the, put on the goggles and, and then the graphic on the back is the duck. So it looks like you're, you're holding up a duck face, but then it's, you can really like tour the whole campus. So you've got like a real oh, wow. aerial view of all of, you know, Eugene, Oregon, you're doing 360 pans and then, and then you can like teleport into certain buildings and, you know, find out about certain areas and whatever. And it's just, it was really well done. And it's, you know, it's one of those intended to be like a quick, you know, two to five minute presentation, but just the whole thing of the, the pre-show or the, you know, the whole marketing behind it was really a nice, a nice um, package. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, stuff like that is not cheap. <laughs> so, right. exactly. um, but a part of that is because of video, video technology um, and the AR technology. But, you know, as much as, you know, the cell phones and the cameras on our phones have improved, um, you know, that's hurting Canon uh, and the good quality cameras that have been out there forever. It's like, you know, Kodak film. Um, but when, when the cost of filming and producing the AR goes down, then it's, it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be in every, you know, our kids are going to be like, you didn't have AR or, you know, yeah, right. um, yeah. Just like my kids asked me if, if we had cars when I grew up, I'm like, how old did you <laughs> we didn't have, we had CD players. We didn't even have CD yeah. players when I first was growing up. Um, uh, but yeah, that's so much has changed so fast. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, our, our world is completely changed. But as long as, you know, as long as we're healthy to get out and physically touch each other, we will. And that will never be replaced. It's kind yeah. of like saying, when, when will we not have backyard barbecues? Well, maybe if we don't have a backyard or if, um, you know, there's a new type of, you know, grill or, you know, outdoor cooking thing that, that we have the opportunity to have. But we're still going to have get togethers uh, as yeah. long as it's a healthy option. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm, um, it's, I, I really feel for the, for the extroverts who, you. <laughs> you know, really, <laughs> who really needs to be out there. Is Andrew, is Andrew an introvert, extrovert? 
he's an introvert. He's just introvert. like, he is just hopping around like crazy. He's like so excited right now. Yeah. I asked him, yeah. well, what's the one thing that you like about this? You know, I'm like trying to find the upside. <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh, but, 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 but. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Not interested in any of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing he did say that he doesn't have to wear shoes. Like I haven't worn no. shoes. Like even when nice. I go outside, I don't even put shoes on because I know I'm not going far enough. <laughs> nice. I do have my foot my outside. On, I don't have to wear shoes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's been fun. But that's you know that's where where Debbie and I. So we're we're both we're both. Um, what is it? Introvert extrovert? I think we're introverted first, but we still need our we still need our social time. But we but just enough to energize us and then we come back. But so, so this is, since I've been working from the house, it hasn't really been that, that different for me. And, that, and, and that's what Deb said when I said, yesterday was the first day I was really feeling antsy. She kind of had the same response. She goes, really? It's Just been a month. I know. To like give context for everybody what time we're talking. It's been at least four weeks, right? Yeah, right, yes. Right, it's, it's um, so. Now yeah, it's, 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 it's when I, when I start feeling like, okay, I can't go ride my bike downtown or down on the green belt or can't do that kind of stuff is when I start to feel a little confined. I've been working from home for a year and a half. Uh, yeah. A year and a half, two years now. Um, but I go out all the time, you know, I have meetings in Austin. I, you know, do all this stuff. Um, I 100% get my energy from other people. So I'm actually really glad I have kids right now to keep me kind of busy and entertained, but little kids. But um, yeah, I was, I've been, it's like, you know, normal and then down and then normal and then down. Yeah. And Andrew will ask me like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't have an energy source, you know, like I, I can eat, I can go sit in the sun, I can <laughs> go for a walk or run, but I don't have an energy, like plug me in. I need to go to a party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and do you get, do you get recharged by doing this kind of stuff or do you need the, do you need the human touch and the interaction, the live interaction? I do get somewhat recharged by these like natural conversations. So I'm really glad that I have this, but, um, but it, it is the physical energy of the yeah. other person and the, the larger, and this is, I'm a hundred percent different from Andrew. The larger the group, the more energy I get for him. Uh, he's just like depleted, yeah. but I'm usually the yeah. first person to show up to a party and the last person to leave. And I'm just like, what it's over. No, <laughs> like, I'm just getting started. Whatever. It's six o'clock in the morning. I'm just getting started. Because I'm just, you know, the more people, the more time, I just, my energy just goes higher and higher. Yeah, that's fun. So, yeah. sitting here by myself, I mean, I do, I do relish, you know, it's, I've been in this house out in the hill country, you know, with the beautiful surroundings for five years. And I think the longest that I sat quietly by myself was this Sunday. And it was like 30 minutes. Twice, uh -huh. actually, in one day. I sat for 15 minutes once, and then about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, another time. In five years, that's the first time I've ever done that. Where do you have the time to read? I know you do a lot of reading. Oh, yeah. Well, I read at night when the kids are asleep. Okay. That, that was the one thing. We went to, we went camping at um, um, Davis Mountains in West Texas, 
and we went the like the Sunday of spring break. And so they hadn't actually made the call. So it was like we were camping during when they started having the stay in place and everything really started changing. And so we were, but it's like when I go camping, that's really the that's really the only time um, that I find that I can really slow down enough to read. Mm-hmm. Oh. I used to not read that much. I, I love camping because it does require me to totally slow down. Um, I like going where like, I don't have phone service. And so I just, you know, the phone is a camera at that point. <laughs> There's, you know, no other connection. Um, but ever since I started the business, I just can't get enough reading. So I actually stay up later um, so that I can read for a couple of hours and it's all, it's all business books, but I used to not be able to like concentrate. I would start and get, you know, a couple chapters in. I'm like, I don't even know what I just read, <laughs> but now I'm like, Oh my gosh, I want to read this. And I don't know. It just really yeah. pulls me in. Okay. Yeah. Well, this, I feel like every conversation with you is like this really like, oh, cool. I guess we better get, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so thank you so much, Danny. I'm so glad that we found the time to connect and we'll yeah, do it again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. It's always good to catch up with you. And, uh, uh, yeah, this is, this was fun because this was kind of a different, um, uh, a lot of different conversation than we normally have. So this was good. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of, a lot of catch up and, and also some business talk. So uh, with 5D show service, is there anything else that you want to say before we go? Uh, no, just, um, yeah, if anybody, if there's anything that I can help anybody with for their trade show marketing um, strategy, be glad to, glad to talk to them. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely be calling you with all my show work, um, and hopefully we can get that client back on board for this fall. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah, so good luck to you, and um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll be through this before, sooner than later. Seriously, safely, safely. At least have a you know neighborhood get together or something so I can plug in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So it's so good um, to is, talk to you. Yeah, you too. I was going to ask: um, Is Andrew still? Um, is he doing much music stuff? Yeah, he's so he's decided to record himself and try to get it out there for um, like some lessons. And um, he had he took up bass. I don't know if I told you that. So he's a drummer, and he pick he put took took up bass so that he wouldn't have to cart his drums everywhere. It's much easier nice. to bring yeah. bass in an amp. Um, nice. But um, yeah, so sometimes he does Zooms with, uh, he has a friend in uh, Pflugerville and they'll kind of jam together or send oh, cool. recordings back and forth. He has oh. a couple of bands that were going, but of course they were all the events were canceled. Yeah, yeah. Well, good for him, good for you. Uh, seems like you're doing an awesome job. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm having fun anyway. So <laughs> we'll see <laughs> if, that, if that works out to profit and growth. I don't know. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Well, thanks again for the invite. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Next time okay. we'll face to face with coffee or lunch or drinks or something. Definitely. Let's do that. All right. We'll talk soon.
So what did you think of MVP Business? If you liked it, please subscribe and tell all your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you didn't like it, don't just leave. Let me know what I can do to improve who you'd like to hear from and what you'd like to learn. The mission of MVP Business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have successfully grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and vision so that other entrepreneurs can follow, knowing that the path isn't easy, but the journey's worth it. If you believe in this mission, please help by living it and sharing it. In the meantime, enjoy the day and live with passion.